Thought Bubble Audio. to hate watch of this. Welcome to our variety show for sarcastic people. This week, we're taking you to two places. We're going to take you to the good place, and we're going to take you to the bad place. The bad place. Kelsey, what's in our bad place? In our bad place is worse than any evil Adam Scott. (laughs) It's worse than bad Janet. Mm-hmm. No one could have fictionally written the <laughs> level of bad in this bad place. Right. So, the bad place, our bad place. Our bad place. The bad place of this podcast. And, like, it should be all of you, but that's okay. We're definitely not the only people in this bad place right now, based on Twitter. Today. Correct. Correct. The bad place is that... The Daves are making a Star War. Yes, someone gave the Daves a Star War. Not just one Star War. I think it's a Star War series. Oh, they got all three Star Wars? It's a spinoff series, I think. Oh. I may be wrong. I didn't read the article because I was angry. The article I read didn't specify what kind of Star War they were given. It doesn't matter. It's still terrible. We're so angry. For those of you who might be new here, we are referring to the two producers of Game of Thrones, who both have D names. I believe it's David and Dan, technically. They're both dicks. I I can't remember what their last names are. Also douchebags. I know I should, but (laughs) they they don't matter enough for me to care what their names are. No. Anyway, we call them the Daves because they're mediocre white men. No offense to anybody out there named Dave. It just so happens that these two men... Might as well both be named Dave, because one of them actually is, and the other one's named Dan, which is kind of the same as Dave. And he abbreviates it, so it doesn't matter. Yeah, he goes by DB. Like, what? Douchebag. Yeah. Douchebag. (laughs) He knows what he's about. (laughs) (laughs) He knows his inner truth. (laughs) So, we wanted to talk about this, because that news broke this evening while we were still at work. We had actually had a different topic planned for y'all, and then we decided we just needed some space to yell for a little while. Yeah. And then we're also going to be talking about season two of The Good Place, because that finished recently. And it's a lot more positive than The Daves. Yes. In all ways. In in literally every way. (laughs) This is a space in which Mike Schur reminds us, not all men. (laughs) Just HBO's men. Just HBO's men. That's not true. There's more men. And now Star Wars men. They were in that bucket anyway, if we're being honest. It's true. There are a lot of Star Wars men included there. Yeah. But now it's like a Venn diagram. (laughs) No. It's like a Venn diagram of douchebags. It's like the douchebag rings of hell. We're like, (laughs) how far in it do you get the Daves? I feel like simultaneously they would greet you at, like, the gates of hell and also be present at every ring of hell, every circle of hell. (laughs) They'd fill every circle with as many CGI objects as they could. (laughs) Every 
every new Ring of Hell would be like, was there a rape in this adaptation? Well, now there is. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, How? what's yeah. our over-under for this Star Wars adaptation? Not adaptation. Star Wars thing. I, so, I'm very nervous because of that. I think if if they don't feel confident enough getting away with, like, an all-out rape in Star Wars, they will definitely mess around with some sexual assault. Because they have played with, like, the entire spectrum of sexual assault on Game of Thrones. Um... And they've also been extremely liberal, adding it at times when it was not in the books or relevant to the character. So that's cool. Right. They also, at different times in Game of Thrones, chose to take scenes that were consensual in the books and turn them into rape in the show. Mm-hmm. Even though the fact that it was consensual was part of the narrative in the book. So that was a cool adaptive choice also. So knowing that, I'm nervous because I think that they are not at all afraid to portray sexual assault. Also, they're super comfortable with all other forms of narrative torture. Mm -hmm. Like any other way you can emotionally and physically torture a human being, they're also cool with. But they're bad at it. Don't forget. They're terrible at it. We've spent enough time with Blackjack Randall to know what torture scenes should actually look like. Right. We'll get there someday. Soon. Promise. We'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) But... I think that is a space where they would have more room to play and still keep whatever rating it is Star Wars likes to stay in PG-13. So I think that would be a space where they would have a lot of room for, like, unnecessary pain. I'm, like, mostly upset because these new franchises of not franchises, the new franchise in general has placed such an emphasis on, like, doing better by the women of Star Wars. Yeah. And doing more for the little girl fans of Star Wars. And then the Daves are going to come in and be like, all men. (laughs) Well, so I was having this argument with someone a couple weeks ago. We were having brunch and we got to talking about Game of Thrones versus Outlander, which I misread the room a little bit when I made some comments about the feminism of Outlander. And (laughs) said everyone on Tumblr ever. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So this guy turned to me and he's like, the women of Game of Thrones are doing just fine. And I kind of started to challenge him on it. And then he was like, well, they're pretty much the only ones in Westeros left and Jon Snow doesn't count because he's, because whatever. I can't remember why Jon Snow didn't count, but apparently Jon Snow is not a man. (laughs) So his whole argument was based on the fact that like, there are three leading women who are still alive and the rest of the cast has died. Therefore, feminism. <laughs> it's so broken. And it, I, I ended it's up... so wrong. It wasn't... It was really out of character for me because I ended up letting it go. But mostly I was like, I don't know if I have enough time to explain all the ways in which you're wrong. Right. It's like, being alive does not equal female empowerment. Right. Like, say nothing of the fact that every single woman who is still alive in the show had to be raped multiple times before she was allowed to achieve a level of power. Yeah. Like, there's there's just, I won't go all the way down the rabbit hole because we're talking about Star Wars, but like, there's so many layers there 
as to why the Daves should not be trusted with really any stories, but especially stories about women and people who are typically marginalized who are now trying to access a sliver of power. Correct. (laughs) I mean, just look at the way that they handled Confederate. Like, these are not men who are open to feedback. Which is inexplicably just disappearing? It's really unclear. I mean, the good news is, if you have a Dave product coming, you know it's going to get delayed at least, like, four years because they have to tell the story the right way. (laughs) I'm a Dave. Give me more money so I can put more CGI in the background of this scene. Also, can I have another six months? (laughs) My favorite thing about the Daves is that they have emerged into the world from the cocoon of Game of Thrones as these, like, untouchable man-gods And even the most powerful executives of the biggest companies in the world with the largest financial stake are willing to look at them and say, yes, take all the time you need. Here, do you need 10 more million dollars? You can have all the more million dollars. Hire whatever you need. Do all the special effects. We don't care. Eventually we'll have a product. That's okay. You take your time. Are you okay, little Dave? Do you need some water? (laughs) I don't get it. (laughs) (laughs) So I should pull up the quote, but there was a quote in one of the articles about it from whoever the fuck, some high power person at Lucasfilms, about how they were so excited to have the Daves in particular. Here it is. Because what have they done that's unique or interesting or different or done well? (laughs) Well, here, so this is what she said, and this is, this, like, this was, like, a trigger for me. This is what Uh, really set me off. I'm ready. This is when the caps the caps lock started. The Daves are some of the best storytellers working today. Their command of complex characters, depth of story, and richness of mythology will break new ground and boldly push Star Wars in ways I find incredibly exciting. No! No! <laughs> so like, I'd like to break down a lot of different parts of that. Can we start with incredible at storytelling? Yes, that's where I want to spend the most time. Although I'd like to say as a side note, we could spend a lot of time on how there is no richness to their mythology. (laughs) But anyway. Oh, God. (laughs) But the idea that they're the best storytellers working today. Is false. Like, that's fucking false. It's just false on its face. And that's another line where it's like, I don't even have time to tell you all the ways that you're wrong. Let's start with that they're telling a story that someone else created let's just start there yeah (laughs) yeah that the only reason game of thrones became what it was was because of source material correct which i guess in that sense makes it appropriate that they're being given star wars but they're not using source material that's true all the star wars are being oh that's scary made new yeah that's true it's It's true and scary it's a whole new world out there they can't be trusted. Like, am I going to have to go fucking watch a Dave's movie? Yes, that's what's going to happen to you. But I said this to you on Slack earlier today, but it's a point I would still want to spend some time on because I'm just like, I haven't gotten past it all night. So they talk about how they're such great storytellers, but from what I can tell, all they're really bringing to the table is past experience managing a large budget. 
like a large production budget and a complicated production schedule. Yes. And having a broad scope of knowledge of special effects. Yes. And those are important skills and like... And being able to negotiate for more time and money, don't forget. Yes. They are always <laughs> going to be able to negotiate for more time and money. Right. Which is honestly a skill I wish I had. I wish I had their ability to walk up to my boss and be like, I need another year for this thing that's due. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> you have a large financial stake in the matter, but if I could have another year, that'd be great. <laughs> I just want to do it right. I just want to do it right. So they have, you know, the skills of big, important executive producers, and that's great. Good for them. I'm glad that they know how to do their job. But that is not the fucking same as being a successful storyteller. Nope. And that's all they're bringing to the table here is, like, being good at the executive producer side, but not at the creative side. There is no creative side. No, because they're pieces of shit. What I told you earlier in Slack, if we're going back to Slack... We are. Is that I was trying to envision the Dave's Star Wars universe, and (laughs) the only analog is the George Lucas prequels. Yeah. With the volume of bad special effects filling every tiny pixel on the screen, and shoddy writing, and just poor choices all around... That's exactly what it's going to be, and people are going to be upset. And I will tell them that we told them so. Yep. Well, and if anybody needs to understand where we get these qualms from, just go look at the first season that the Daves did after they ran out of source material on Game of Thrones. That whole season was just fucked up dragons and dick jokes. Yes. Are they going to make a Star Wars dick joke? I'm quite certain of it. (laughs) They had an entire scene completely unrelated to any part of the narrative of a bunch of dudes sticking fingers up each other's butts. So (laughs) nothing is off limits to the Daves. None of their content has any rewatch value for me either. No. And that's a big Star Wars thing. But like, who is excited about this and why? So far, I haven't been able to find anybody who is, but most of the people I follow are skeptical Game of Thrones watchers. I saw a couple Facebook people who were, like, so excited. I'm like, are you? I would imagine that there are more people who are excited for it than aren't. Like, I yes. guarantee that there are many of you listening to this who very strongly disagree with everything we've just said, which is fine. You can disagree with us. Can you? I will continue to refer <laughs> to them as the Daves, and I will continue <laughs> to refer to them as douchebags. Correct. So... <laughs> Agree to disagree. Our stance is not changing here. <laughs> no. Hey, watch Party Line. But I would be willing to bet that that's, like, the majority opinion. Because Game of Thrones is, like, a phenomena right now, and it, people like it, and there's a reason why these two men hold the spotlight. Yeah, I mean, we're obviously in too deep <laughs> with yes. Outlander right now, but, like, yes. if you're gonna pick s- someone like the Daves... Maybe you pick the Outlander guy who's made space movies before, space TV shows, whatever. Like, if that's the second most watched premium cable show, does it really Uh matter? His production would be better, I'm just going to tell you that. (laughs) It would be way better. Way better. But I think our friend Frank from Beer with Geeks made a good point, which is basically like, these two guys have 
had their 15 minutes of fame for the last eight years, maybe it's time to let someone else come play. That's totally fair, too. Right? They're already hot shots. They've already had their career building moment. Like, they could go the rest of their lives never doing anything else and just riding on the coattails of Game of Thrones. Which, that's not their career, so they're not going to do that, and that's fine. But they could stay on HBO where they belong. Did they need to be given Star Wars when, like, I just, I don't understand how Lucasfilms went through the last few rounds of drama with producers that they have, where everyone was like, why'd you get another white man? Why'd you get this famous white man? Why don't you try this other person? Blah, blah, blah. And then they were like, so here's all the feedback we've gotten. What if we hired these guys? (laughs) Two white men. (laughs) What if we hired two white men? Is that better than one? Ugh. It's just gross. And it's like, obviously there's a disconnect between what they've been putting in their marketing materials slash on the screen and what's happening business-wise, which is gross. Well, I had this thought. I was thinking about how, like, the current trilogy has had, like, a big focus on trying to become more inclusive, and they still have work to do, but, like, the women of Star Wars have made huge progress. The people of color of star wars have made progress like we're visible we're there we're in space we exist like that's worth something Mm -hmm. and you would think that that would be progress to build on but of course in all things there's always a reactionary element and i did have the thought earlier today like was this a reactionary move of like we know that there were fans who were mad at the casting choices that we made and the representation that we had in these films. So what if we get these two very popular white guys? Does that somehow bridge a gap or, like, split a difference? I don't know that that's their angle. I, I'm i just gonna hope that it's not their angle. But, like, is their angle trying to get Game of Thrones watchers? But aren't they, like, vastly overlapping the Star Wars audience already? I would think so. I mean, my thinking was more like was more along the lines of these two guys are fairly universally popular so no one can be mad at us for choosing them but we're mad we're so fucking mad just i want to, to make clear. it very clear this was I a just bad think idea they've proven that they deserve it they don't deserve it they're so mediocre they they know a lot about running cgi they can do really big effects not good effects Definitely not good. Like, the Battle of the Bastards was impressive in terms of the scope of the production, but there were definitely moments where it, like, was so overdone that it ruined the episode. And it wasn't a feat of storytelling. Oh, no, of course not. No, they had that one fucking scene of John being smothered by corpses, and there were 500,000 think pieces being like, oh, symbolism. (laughs) (laughs) Is it that all we- mediocre white men can just relate to the Daves? Is that what we're getting at? <laughs> so, like, the mediocre <laughs> think piece writers were like, whoa. It could be. That was one of the episodes that, like, pissed me off the most because the think pieces all came out the next day. And I was like, that episode was five hours of just pure punishment to me as the viewer. And I know nothing new about any of these characters. Emotionally, 
or mentally or anything. Like, nothing about their status has changed after going through this hugely traumatic thing. But yes, I saw your camera did a lot of stuff. I think we should, right now, guess how long the day of Star Wars is going to be. Um, I'm saying okay. 3.15. Let's see. How long was the longest Lord of the Rings? It was like in the three-something range, right? It was almost four. It didn't quite break four, but it was close. Yeah. So, uh, I'm going to say about 348. <laughs> no. <laughs> I can't sit through it. I don't want to do it. Like, I might boycott the Dave Star War. <laughs> I'm also going to call it a Star War and not a Star Wars out of protest. There you go. And it's our they brand, but, like, they only get one. Because they can only do one. Oh! <laughs> get your Dave who can only do one. <laughs> if you have two Daves who can only do one, does that mean they can do two? No. They... No. Because <laughs> that's their brand. <laughs> I'm just... Oh, I can't. This is, like the worst thing that they could have done to Star Wars. I feel like there's like something in me that wants to say that that's not quite true, but I also feel like it might be true. I really I'm just so distrustful. Yeah. I I have no reason to believe that these two men can handle the story they're about to be given. And I've had a lot of confidence in the new Star Wars to this point. Yeah. Even Han Solo slash Solo. <laughs> yeah. Like, I've heard it's going to be maybe bad, but I'm still excited about it. I actually didn't see the trailer for it. It's, I mean, there's like a glorious Donald Glover as Lando, and that's all I needed. I saw a lot of stills of his appearances in the trailer, and I was very hyped for that. Right? I could have a movie just of him so like what i'm saying is i can deal with something that may not be that great but i'm still excited about it because it's a star war and there's things i'm ex i can find to be interested in this is a star war i'm very apprehensive about <laughs> not at all excited about well i i going back to that that quote about their command of richness of mythology. <laughs> like, that's the yeah. one thing they're being given when they start their next franchise, their next Star War, is they're going to be given the world and mythology of Star Wars, which is a pre-existing world that has its own rules about magic and the Force and whatever the fuck. Are you ready for another bet? Do you want to continue, continue your thought, but we're going to do another bet. <laughs> I'm so excited. Like, I didn't read the Game of Thrones books. I tried to, and I got to the third or fourth one and didn't end up finishing. But I've watched the handle on the mythology of Westeros degrade over the last couple seasons to the point where there is no logic to anything anymore. There's, like, no explanation to anything. And whenever you try to challenge a part of the story that doesn't make sense, everyone's like, ugh. You're talking about a world where there's dragons. Who cares? Mer Details. Star Wars fans care. Well, because you 
you don't just get to be like, here's this magical thing and there's no constraints, but also there are constraints, but don't worry about it. We'll tell you when it matters. <laughs> there's only constraints when it's important to the narrative. Yeah, like that's just... it's like my favorite line to just say on every podcast, apparently. <laughs> it's important, though, like, because a lot of people seem to think that that's an okay excuse is to just be like, uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, it matters right now, actually. Just right now. Uh, don't worry about it. But right now. Right now, though. <laughs> and they are so guilty of it they there are. are so many examples from the last season where they just gave the fuck up on explanation entirely and the entire fandom was like who cares dragons Mer. and i was like but i care because in order to suspend my disbelief i need to feel grounded in this world they're like go get the dragon lady and they, like, run across the street, and they're in another fucking continent, and they're like, Dragon Lady, come here. And, and she then she had just time to appears. sew a custom fur and leather coat. Right. They don't have hyperspeed, I don't think. <laughs> no, not last we checked. <sighs> Hyperdrive. That was bad. Same thing. <laughs> Light speed. <laughs> but now we're about to be launched into space in a universe where there's some kind of weird space magic. That informs the balance of literally the entire universe. And are we really prepared to walk into that world and say, like, oh, the rules don't really matter unless we say so. Right. And people that's always have that argument. Like. But, well, that's what I was going to say. What are the chances that they bring back midichlorians? Oh, my God. <laughs> like 100 or 110%. You want to start World War Three? Let's bring back the midichlorians. Especially after this trilogy has started walking back on midichlorians i actually want them to so that we can burn them to the ground <laughs> as a fan base it would be really really funny do you think they'll recreate rome remember remember when natalie portman and what's oh yeah to rome? <laughs> they did go to rome and it was like ren fair <laughs> yeah <laughs> spent half of a movie in medieval times do you think the women are gonna get inappropriate hairbrushes yes 100% you fucking seen the hair on Game of Thrones those bitches don't know shit oh, oh my god women and their hair care needs really everyone is too clean on that show now that I'm thinking about it <laughs> no one should be that clean <laughs> They have fucking laundromats in Westeros, I guess. Yeah, oh, God, now true. I'm getting mad about Game of Thrones. <laughs> but, like, fuck off, Daves. Fuck off, Daves. Like, stay on HBO where you belong. That's, like, your little playground where they let you do whatever you want, and I can just ignore you. The funniest thing to me is that even in the article where it was announced in their official joint statement, they're so flippant about it. So they were like, we're, they used a couple Star Wars puns, first of all. And then they were like, we're excited to do this as soon as Game of Thrones finishes. And it's like, oh, are you still working on Game of Thrones? We didn't know. We hadn't heard that. When's that going to finish? Yeah? Wow. Did you ask for another extension? <laughs> So then there's part of me that's like when Lucasfilm started negotiating the deal with them, where they like, well, we're booked out to 2025 with Game of Thrones. So if you can <laughs> wait that long, we're in. 
<laughs> Do you think that HBO like paid them off to be like, if you make Confederate go away, you can have Star Wars? <laughs> that would be a really fun like anti non compete. <laughs> be so funny. <laughs> the, the we have regrets clause in the contract. <laughs> Although it might be worse if they both came out simultaneously. This is what I'm trying to figure out, right? Because the whole Confederate thing was based on the fact that they had just negotiated with HBO what the project after Game of Thrones was going to be, because HBO was very clear that they needed to keep the Daves after Game of Thrones. HBO is thirsty! So fucking thirsty. (laughs) They were like, we will let you have anything if it gets our dicks wet. Racism? Sure. (laughs) Sure. We're down with it. Just stay on our network. We don't have anything going for us. Which is not really true, HBO. Check your thirst. I think you're in an unhealthy relationship. Mm -hmm. And... So they, so they, that was how Confederate, the announcement for Confederate came to be, was they announced the end of Game of Thrones, and then they were like, don't worry, the Daves are sticking around, and they're going to do this thing. And that was supposed to start as soon as Game of Thrones ended. But now Star Wars is supposed to start as soon as Game of Thrones ends? Yeah. So either the Daves are becoming really talented at delegating, and someone else under their name is taking on Confederate, or everyone's just going to quietly pretend Confederate never happened and they're going to do Star Wars. Well, you see, time management doesn't really matter unless it's relevant to the narrative. So they can just make both at the same time and we don't have to talk about it or explain it. Plot twist. One of the Star Wars that they make will have a veiled subplot that mirrors what would have been the narrative in Confederate. Ew. Uh-huh. Ew. Ew. No. <laughs> oh, you're right. That's... Because, <laughs> 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 you know, they've already teed it up on that, like, casino planet in the last movie. No. With, like, some kind of rebellion, civil war nonsense. And that would be a good offshoot project, because they're at least, they're not getting a linear Star Wars. Uh, So tell me more about that information. My understanding was that they're not getting the next Star Wars Star Wars. They're they're not getting a trilogy. No, they're just getting, like, a Solo or a Rogue One situation that may be a longer term spinoff. But I don't know where that information came from. (laughs) I can't decide if I find that comforting or more disturbing. I am... It's, like, the better choice if I had to choose because you can forget about those and not watch them in terms of, like, when you want to show your kids all the Star Wars and then Mm -hmm. you have to sit through that shit. Like, it's not as critical to canon. I don't know where I found that. But I was, like, on Twitter casually sitting down at my desk after a meeting and I saw something about the Daves and the Star Wars that you tweeted in one (laughs) tweet and I was like... What? Well, so I logged on to Twitter and Frank, our friend Frank from Beer with Geeks, had tweeted something that was just like David and Dan at Star Wars. And it, there were words in between, but my brain sort of fritzed and I was just like, David, Dan, Star Wars. What the fuck? What fresh hell is this? So I panicked and I tweeted it. <laughs> I was like, what fresh hell is this? Like, Kirstie doesn't tweet that often. And I was like, so thrown off. <laughs> 
I'm like, but she didn't send me a red alert, to be very clear here. This was not a red alert level. I thought about it, but you hadn't messaged me on Slack in, like, hours, so I didn't know if you were vegan or not. Well, and it should have been, like, concerned. a code dick or and something. So I sent you a couple links. <laughs> I sent you a couple links and some caps lock, and I was like, well, if this doesn't get her attention, I'll escalate the matter. Oh, God. You got there. You I think, up. I think we need to establish a code dick as a thing. <laughs> After this. <laughs> For when red alerts just don't cut it. Not on the Jamie Appreciation channel, to be clear. No, it doesn't go there. That would be a different kind of code dick. I'm still open to it, but... <laughs> Luckily, context clues would fill in the gap there. <laughs> oh, no. Are you guys excited for our Outlander episode? <laughs> I think it's going to be more than one episode. That's going to be the rest of our podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I would just like to recognize it's been like 40 minutes recording time, and we've only mentioned Outlander like twice, and one of the times was relevant to the conversation. Yeah. I think we're we're improving. We had to get into a mature (laughs) state after being, like having our brains fried by this show. (laughs) We're coming back to, like, a balance. We're resurfacing into the world. And unfortunately, this is what we were greeted with. We were like, what if we rejoined civilization after being in an Outlander cocoon for a month? Nope. 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 I have regrets. I feel like this is, like, a punishment somehow. (laughs) It simultaneously felt like a gift and a punishment. Ugh. It's not good. A gift because I really did need to spend 40 minutes yelling about something. Yeah. But at what cost? We're going to have to watch a fucking Dave Star War. We're going to have to watch a Dave Star War. Are we going to play, like, does the gaming Game of Thrones drinking game apply to yes. the Dave Star War? Yes. Okay. Okay. And I will definitely be counting dick jokes. They will be there. Mark they me. will be. <laughs> <laughs> Mark me. <laughs> I was so smooth. <laughs> Mark me. Mark me. So oh, there's this no. tweet going around that that says responding to the Game of Thrones, people making Star Wars movies the same way I respond to all Star Wars news. And then it's several steps, but the last two steps are end up liking it and get yelled at online for liking it. (laughs) And I think that's the thing that brings me stress. Liking it? Is like the... Because I... So Star Wars is still not for me. It's still not in the fandom officially. But I like it well enough. I like where it's headed. I'm invested in it. I You're on the time... outskirts. I talk about it. I send memes. Like, I'm in there. I'm in the mix. But, like, what if there is a a universe in which the Daves make a fine movie? I'm not saying a good one. I'm just saying, what if they make a product and it's, like, fine like, yes, that was a Star Wars. <laughs> and I... then what? Then we all settle for mediocre white men. <laughs> That's when the white men have won. 
I just don't want it. Like, I want it to fail. Is yeah. that bad? No. that Because that's my thing. It's like, I try not to get stuck in fixed thinking, and I try not to be stubborn. But, like, I really want to dig my heels in on this one and not enjoy it, because I, I just can't get there with the Daves. I can't get there with the Daves fans, and I want to stick it to them. Yes, yes that's <laughs> Like, that's my problem. Valid. Is it ever... The second I bring this up anywhere, anyone's going to be like, what's wrong with that? You don't like Game of Thrones? Yeah, I do get exhausted having to defend my viewpoint on Game of Thrones. Like, it's a... I I get exhausted having to defend my viewpoint on most television. True. (laughs) But that one is a stickler. Well, it's just like... It's okay to like it. We all watch it. Like, it's okay to like it. You're allowed to like it. But you can like things and also hear that it's problematic or busted, as the case may be. Yeah. No one's saying you're not allowed to like it. We're just saying that we're also allowed to make criticisms of it and to make criticisms of your shitty producers who have a god complex. I hate them so much. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) They broke you. I'm too angry. <laughs> I just want you to know that someone called me at my desk today to rile me up about something that I got mad about this morning, just for fun, and this still got me more angry. <laughs> I was actually having a really productive evening, which evening is not typically a time at which I get to be at my desk and getting stuff done. So I was like excited, I was getting stuff done, and it was like very productive. And then this news popped up, and I lost the last 45 minutes of my day. I was just sitting at my desk reading Twitter, fucking fuming. (laughs) I was so angry. At one point, I texted Kelsey, and I was like, I am so much angrier about this than I should be. And her response was, no, it's batshit. I was like, yes, thank you. Yes. Oh, my God. So, yeah, we'll see in 2040 when this movie finally comes out. Yeah, there's going to be even more scandals than there have been about, like, management of budget and time. That's definitely one thing I wonder. I have a feeling that Lucasfilm slash Disney is not going to be as flexible with them as HBO is. Because for HBO, everything they have is riding on Game of Thrones. So if they have to put it off a year so that the Daves get it done... And so that it beca- it remains a spectacle, then, like, it's a different stake for them. But Lucasfilm slash Disney is bigger and more standardized. So I just, I wonder what that negotiation is going to be like moving forward. Well, and, like, HBO has a profit to make off of people waiting for Game of Thrones because they're writing, right. sitting on their HBO subscriptions. Right, right, <laughs> right. Meanwhile, Disney's like, I need to tell an advertiser an approximate time of when our ad is going to run for this movie, Kay. Well, Thanks. an advertiser <laughs> and their entire vertical supply chain well, no, for right. all of their merch and, like... Correct. <laughs> there's a much bigger machine behind that. Like, HBO doesn't have an entire sub-industry based on merchandise. I hate HBO. <sighs> yeah, we all do. HBO sucks. I'm now a stars convert. Don't know why. <laughs> Things are getting weird. Stars only has one nice thing, and it's nicer <laughs> than all of the other things. 
Yes. <laughs> HBO has nothing to offer me that stars can't give to me. Yes. And do it better. True. Well, we don't know that they always do it better. We know that they do this one thing better. Listen, everyone wants it for the boning. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> the amount better that they do it is, like, so significantly better than anything HBO has ever done. Yeah. But it's still just the one. That's fine. <laughs> In this moment, it is fine. In this moment. <laughs> Side note. Uh, on Podlander, they were talking about stars and whether or not it had any other shows. <laughs> and Janine admitted that he had a really solid relationship with Spartacus. Oh, no. And they uh, they were talking about it because they were talking about um, full frontal male nudity yeah. and seeing erect penises. And he was saying that there are a lot of penises in Spartacus, but they're not often erect. But they are sometimes. And, uh I think, like, once in a while you get a prosthetic that's erect. That's wild. You definitely get a lot of floppy dicks. Right. They're they're everywhere all the time. I've noticed that. <laughs> Basically smacking you in the face. <laughs> so fun. Spartacus is really wild. <laughs> I'm not ready for that. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I felt very validated that Janine enjoyed it. Oh my god. Because <laughs> I also enjoyed it. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so do you want to get on the, the train to the good place? Let's get on the train to the good place. It's happier there. It's so much happier there. So the season just ended. Yeah. And we just caught up simultaneously without planning it because we live the same life. It's true. Hey, guys, I would like to take a second to give myself a gold star because I stayed current with a TV show just like the rest of society. <laughs> Yay! Thank you. I feel like I deserve that. <laughs> it was only a little sarcastic. I came out of my Outlander cocoon just to catch up on this show. You did. And then you were like, do I use the NBC app or the Hulu app? And I was like, I don't know, on demand. <laughs> yeah, I'm having Hulu drama. <laughs> it currently only works on one of my devices. Yeah. And that one device is not the device upon which I do the majority of my television watching. So it's because we're, creative. we're paying for stars right now. <laughs> we're paying for stars and that's all that matters. <laughs> Are we using my former coworker's parents Hulu account? I don't know. <laughs> it's hard to tell. <laughs> We, we're we very careful when we log into the Hulu app because we never know when it'll stop. <laughs> never. We never know when, when it'll go away. Anyway, so yes, I'm current on it. I watched the finale like a couple days after everybody on Twitter did. Yeah, we watched it on the same day. We did. So I just, I wanted to congratulate myself. I feel like I deserve this one. I was actually kind of surprised in a good way I guess about the finale because I was at work when it was airing and I saw everyone on Twitter was actively talking about it like they were watching it in real time mm. and I was like is this 2006? <laughs> what? <laughs> it was kind of nice Yeah, because those moments are usually not reserved for like scheduled programming anymore they're usually reserved for like sports and elections right 
So it was nice to see like genuine excitement and like chatter about normal NBC content. <laughs> and I was also not prepared and a little jealous because I couldn't be watching it. Yeah. So I'm interested to get into, I don't know where we want to start talking about the season, but I'm interested getting into the reaction on Twitter because I said this to you on Slack, but I feel like I might be doing something wrong because my reaction to the finale was not the same as the reaction on Twitter. I have like two theories about this. Okay. Do you want me to save them or just go? We can get into it whenever. This is our podcast. <laughs> it is our podcast. We well, we should like we, we should talk like briefly about what happened this season. Okay, let's talk about this season. Uh, just to be clear, in case y'all couldn't somehow pick it up from context clues, spoilers. I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I don't know how to do spoiler warnings because I don't give a fuck. But <laughs> we're going to talk about everything, so just close your ears if you're worried about it. <laughs> it's like you get all the episode descriptions up front. <laughs> I want to talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> episode descriptions have become a flashpoint. Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, this season started with the giant plot twist that they left us with at the end of season one, which was that this was actually the bad place. And Man, a lot happened this season. A lot, Sorry. but it also doesn't feel like that much to me yeah like i was on wikipedia just looking briefly at like their description for season two and it was like a paragraph and then the last two paragraphs were the last two episodes of the season it was like so nothing Mm -hmm. happened until everything happened happened. okay sorry yeah anyway that just took me way back it's like a time machine yeah it is a lot of groundwork that they had to cover because they basically reset the show so right it, like, the whole beginning was basically them realizing they were in the bad place and then figuring out, resetting them, right? Isn't that how that went? Yep. Because they're not supposed to know. Yeah, so. The whole point of eternal torture is that they're not supposed to know they're being tortured, so they figure out that they're actually in the bad place, so he has to reset them to start the torture over again. And he resets them, like, 800-something times. 840-some-odd or something <laughs> like that. Right. And then eventually he does it again and they realize it, but because of reasons, they he decides not to reset them again. And instead I think they like threaten to tell Sean, the judge. Yeah, or, or like something. Something's happening. And because yeah, reasons. So they instead sort of, like, go on this, like, extended quest of, like, understanding philosophy and teaching Michael about philosophy and learning how to be a good person. And there's a lot of, like, fun things that happen in that, like, instance of their world. And then they get orders. Am I missing something? They get orders from Sean to, like, shut it down. It's not... It's not quite that, but it's something similar to that. I don't quite remember how it all comes to be, but, like, Sean gets involved again. Well, because at some point... Janet's malfunctioning. Janet's malfunctioning. Michael's going to be given a promotion. Um, and... Yeah. For some reason. Fussy, suddenly. See? 
So for some reason they shut they basically decide to shut it down, but Michael yeah, kind of wants to save them. So he does right. because he's a good person now in theory, even though he's not a person. And he's a good eternal being. Yeah, so then they have to figure out how to like get to the good place, and that's what the end of this whole season was was like they go to the bad place to go to a portal to talk to a judge, which was, like, my favorite part of this whole show, probably. Yeah. <laughs> it was very good. And then they kind of have these, like, moral tests to see if they can get into the good place, and they don't all make it, but are in it, like, as a pact. Is that right? Yeah. They have a pact that they will only go together. So... Well... It turns out that all all of them failed except Eleanor. Yeah. But she chooses not to tell the rest of them that she was the only one who made it. Right. So. So, yeah, they had made a pact that if one of them failed to um, pass the test, then they would all go to the bad place. Right. And right. then... um, What happens? Oh, so then... Michael basically decides to throw, like, a Hail Mary, and he's like, okay, I'm just gonna put you all back on Earth and give you another chance to be good people. Yep. And so they do that, and that's where the season kind of ends. Right. Basically. Right, because the whole catch is that even though they became better people in the afterlife, it doesn't prove that they ever would have been good people Right. But Michael's theory is that if they had been essentially given a good influence on Earth, they would have become good people. They were just never given that push. Yep. Um, so that's why they get put back on Earth is to test out the theory that, like, they all they always had the potential to be good people. They just weren't given the chance. Right. right. And there's a lot of, like, relationship building and mm -hmm. friendship building and things so like that friendship. happening. So much friendship. This show appreciates what I need from friendship. That's Michael Sher for you, though. I know. Dude gets me sometimes. <laughs> Not all the time. Just sometimes. Most times. Most times. And in friendship times. Yeah. When does he not get you? Now I, I need know. to know. <laughs> I'm just, I mean, I don't know that I have a concrete example. I'm just not trying to give him more credit than he maybe deserves. Oh, okay. You don't want him to become a Dave? Yeah, I'm not trying to pop off too soon here. <laughs> so what was your reaction to the finale and why do you think you feel like you missed something? Okay, so, to, like, to be explicitly clear, I thought it was a great episode, like, solid television, and I like where they're going with the plot. Uh, I thought that was, like, a useful twist. I like the idea of putting them back on Earth. And then that episode ends with... Ele so that whole episode is focused on Eleanor and she's, like, going through all kinds of shit in her real life. And is slowly realizing that the people in her life are toxic. And then she comes across a series of cheaty talks and then spontaneously decides to fly to wherever the fuck he's teaching and, like, finds him in real life. And that's where the season ends. Mm -hmm. So I thought all of that was really interesting. I like where they're headed with it. But everyone on Twitter had these, like, big emotional reactions and had, like, a lot of feelings. Yes. You and know there were, there were like moments where a nice thing would happen. Like Michael shows up twice to intervene 
in Eleanor's life to, like, push her in the right direction, even though he's not supposed to. And that's, like, nice because, like, Michael cares and he wants what's best for her and he's, like, trying to make this happen for her and whatever. And it's, like, nice to watch Eleanor, like, trying to improve herself. And it was great when they reunited. But I didn't have a big emotional reaction. I can help you with this. Okay. I think. Okay. The whole thing that what I saw people were freaking out about the most, because they were TV people. Yeah. And people in general. Was that (laughs) it was a Cheers reference. Okay. When Michael comes back and he's at the bar because he was the bartender on Cheers. Right. So it was like a big thing. Is that it, though? That was like... the only thing? That was the pa- the thing that I saw all of the TV people freaking out about because they were like, the good place loves TV so much. <laughs> I like them all, but that's what they were saying. <laughs> all right. No, that's fair. I mean, that was, that does explain that one bit that people were excited about. Yes. It just seemed like there was also like a sustained emotional reaction. And my reaction to it mostly was like, yes, we're on an interesting trajectory for next season. I had like more feelings than I thought I would. Yeah. Mostly because I haven't seen Cheers, so that didn't really affect me. (laughs) But that's also just, like, one moment. Like, okay, they made a reference. Yeah. I don't know how detailed that reference was, though, if that helps. Uh, Like, is that the same bar that they were... Like, how much did they connect it? But anyway. One scene. Sure, 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 sure. (laughs) (laughs) People have feelings about that show that I am not trying to take away from them. I trust me, I've read TV the book. <laughs> I haven't yet because you still have it. <laughs> I'll bring it to you when we hang out this month. We're gonna hang out this month. Guys, we're hanging out in like two weeks. <laughs> this has been a gloat. <laughs> a podcast within a podcast. Yes. <laughs> anyway, what did I have feelings? I had feelings so my biggest hang up watching The Good Place compared to other Michael Schur products was that I wasn't fully getting the rom-com that I wanted out of it. And the last episode had more of the rom-com in it. And it also played into my feelings about in my current state as someone who's watched a lot of Outlander. Oh no. I had a lot of feelings of crossing the space-time continuum to find your romantical person. Yes, agreed. And I thought that was really well done, and I'm so excited about it. Yeah, I do like... I mean, it was somewhat artificially implanted by What's-His-Face, by Michael. So it's a bit of a cheat, but I do like the idea that what's coming next is predicated on these two people finding, or all four of these people finding each other again because they're, like, their best selves when they're with each other. Yeah, and the whole thing with Michael having to reset constantly was that they always found each other. Right. So I like that that's also what's going to happen, presumably, when right. now that they're humans again. I'm also just really happy that they're humans again. Yeah. It takes, yeah. like, some of the abstractness out of that show. Right. That I sometimes, like, grappled with. And I suppose, to that point, a lot of the feelings people were having, and again, these are critics, but um, was about the show's willingness to blow up its own, its own premise. Yeah. 
Because it's constantly like, you know, here's the universe we live in. Eh, fuck that. Now it's actually something different. Because for the show, the point isn't actually whether or not you're in the afterlife or whatever. The point is what it takes to become a better person. Yeah. And so it's just a character-driven show about self-improvement and the people in relationships in your lives. Right. You also super called the symbolism of that book. Yes. Book? Is that a book? Uh, I believe so. Or it's his book? I don't know. But I think it's I think it's a book and he teaches it. Got he it. He teaches it. Got it. Because you called that back in like our awards episode. Yes. And it was such a big point in this that I was like having feelings about you predicting this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's... It was a weird night. <laughs> day whenever it was <laughs> it's a weird world out there yeah right yeah i i appreciated that too but i think they've been really intentional about using mm-hmm. both the ideas of that book and just the title yeah as uh, for that purpose like it that is its purpose in the plot which i i think it's interesting that like continually that's eleanor's inroad to being less of a dick yeah i like how Well, I guess I'm just impressed by how much everything that they do builds on, like, itself. Yes. In a way that, like, I don't even know, like, did they anticipate in season one that it would escalate in this way? But it also works? I feel like there might be some parts of it that came along organically. Um, Like, they probably didn't have everything charted out from the beginning. But they clearly had enough of it because everything has been handled with so much intentionality. But there's, like, the whole story about how no one knew about the plot twist in season one until they read the script. Uh, Well, sure. Yeah. Like, the actors don't need to to know for the story to be handled with intentionality, though. Right. So I don't know, like... like, Someone's gotta know. Totally, but I don't know, like, internally how much that is, like, kept to a few people versus Mm -hmm. everyone. Right. Right. It's still not, like, my favorite Michael Sher product, but that season finale really, like, grew on me a lot. See, I'm I'm building a stronger relationship with it at this point because it is, like, an abstract show that is thinking really deeply about interpersonal relationships and the environments that shape people and human behavior. Like, it's way more about that than it is about, like, any structured plot. Yeah. And that is super interesting to me, and that works for me way more than just watching a regular old sitcom where, like, random things happen every episode. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if that works for me as well, but I can see why right. it does. Is I don't think that's wrong. <laughs> right, right. It it was something that I warmed up to. Like, I didn't, I didn't appreciate that about the show at first, and then as we've gone through season two, watching it be such a character development heavy show has been really fascinating for me. Yeah. I think that the more it stays grounded in, like, normal life, the more that Uh I will like it. It makes sense, too, because they couldn't couldn't spend much more time doing this, like, good place versus bad place thing. Yeah. Right? Like, they the only way they could keep the story sustainable was by moving it out of the afterlife. Because I think we've already done all the iterations of, like good place, bad place that we could do. This show is also a very good example of a show that should not be more than 13 episodes per season. <laughs> yes. 
they know exactly how much time they need to tell a story. They use that time wisely. They do not add extra. Right. It's great. I'm interested to see in season three if they spend any time on, like, breaking down, like, the trauma that Eleanor has experienced. Because they've spent a lot of time showing you that she has had a lot of trauma and comes from a very broken environment and it all explains why she is who she is like it's all a defense mechanism it's all self-preservation like blah 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 Mm -hmm. but they haven't explicitly dealt with it yet they sort of drop the hints of like oh she had a rough life and now that's why she acts like a dick but i'd be interested to see if they spend more time on that a little bit more intentionally because i think the show has something really interesting to say about how environments affect behavior I mean, that's one of the major things that they say, right? Like, Tahani's another good example of that. Yeah, I don't think they do it as explicitly as they think they do, though. Yeah. They spend a lot more time on sort of the active choice-making part of behavior, like having to teach yourself to make good choices, or having to teach yourself to think about your behavior and how it impacts other people. Yeah. But I don't think they've explicitly spent as much time on, like, Here's how people become who they are. That's fair. That could be interesting. Yeah. I think it's where they're headed, though, because I think that's Michael's whole point, is, like, these all of these people could have been better versions of themselves if they had had help. Right. And if they find each other, they can and help they each find other. each other, because they're the best versions of themselves when they're together. <laughs> <sighs> so much friendship. I also want to highlight... What I found on Twitter today, assuming that it's true. Yeah. I haven't fact-checked it because I want it to be true. <laughs> um, <laughs> they had a couple of screenshots of Eleanor reading, like, a gossip magazine. And oh, yes. from the screenshots, it appears that <laughs> the good place lives in the Parks and Rec universe. Yes. Because the ads were for Dennis Feinstein's, like, weird cologne and had Jean-Ralphio attached to it somewhere, too. Uh, Because in the final episode of Parks and Rec, when Typhoon and Craig are, like, on the... It's not an an airplane, but, like, whatever futuristic machine they're flying in. Yeah. uh, They have a bottle of champagne, and it's Jean-Ralphio. Yeah. It's, like, Jean-Ralphio branded. And so one of the other ads was for the Jean Ralphio yep. champagne. Yep. And I love that. They hide a lot of those little like nuggets in the show, I've heard in general, if you go back and rewatch, which I haven't yet. But I want to live in a world that's also the Parks and Rec universe. It makes sense because it's like a lot of the personalities are the same as like the type of people you'd find in Punny. I'm interested in a crossover. Oh my god, Kirstie. Oh what? What? If the good place is where they reveal that Leslie Nope did become president. Oh my god. Would I cry? Yes. That would be my good place. Oh. My good place is one in which we had a president, Leslie Nope. That's true. I will say, if you have now put this idea in my brain and it does not come to fruition, <laughs> I might divorce you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> Might be grounds for divorce. Because I suddenly have hopes, and they're way up here. I know. 
You mean it's like November 7th, 2016? Too soon. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. In this day and age, my hopes don't get up here very often. I know. <laughs> Guys, I said that finding out the, the Daves got Star Wars was like November 8th, 2016 late. Kirsty like half appreciated it, but I stand <laughs> by it. I said she wasn't wrong because there's nothing like nothing feels like a punch to the gut, like mediocre white men getting positions of power they don't deserve. Ooh, sick burn, Fergus! <laughs> sick burn, Fergus! <laughs> Mark me. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> This has been a preview for the Outlander Omnibus that's coming to you <laughs> soon. You probably just want us to get it out of our systems already. From March until April, this is basically what, what you're going to get. We'll sprinkle in some real content, but... You're either going to love it or you're going to hate it. Yeah. We understand either way. Mark me. I don't care. <laughs> oh my god. Because I'm going to love it. Oh my god. <laughs> Any other thoughts on The Good Place? I just want to say that I love Chidi. We do love Chidi. I love Chidi so much. Chidi, if so you much. missed it, is the 2017 winner of the Hotter Tall Award. Uh-huh. Very well deserved. That is a hot man. And also tall. Yes, he is tall. <laughs> there have been some headshots going around Twitter. And, like, man, I've got some thirst. Not as much thirst as I have for Jamie, but that's okay. No, I mean, no man can ever live up to. We also haven't che seen Cheedy in that state. That's true. In fairness. That's true. You know, I do often wonder because I, I, I could save this for the Outlander episode too, but we can explore it in depth. But. I said to you the other day that I don't think Sam Hewen is as hot when he's not Jamie. So I do wonder, you know, if you if you put Cheedy as Jamie, what that does. Are you proposing like a sex off between Jamie and Cheedy? I might be. <laughs> I might be. <laughs> is there something higher Scottish, than an explicit but... tag on iTunes? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. Uh, I'm not. Mark me. Oh my god. I can't handle this. Um, no, there's a moment in, I think it's in the finale. Uh, so there's been like this on again, off again thing between Chidi and Eleanor, where Chidi is like very clear that he doesn't have feelings for her, and Eleanor is like lukewarm that she has very strong feelings for him. But, you know, she's trying to, like, hide it because defense mechanisms. And his whole thing is that he's indecisive. So in the finale, he, like, runs over and, like, grabs her and kisses her randomly. And I was, I don't even necessarily want them to get together. But I just liked seeing him be decisive. It was nice. I was like, get it, Cheaty. Right? Yeah. He's a good person. He's such a good person. I also think it's hilarious that and I've said this before, so I apologize, but I think it's hilarious that he landed in the bad place for being indecisive. <laughs> Just such an interesting, interesting twist. It's what's gonna happen for all of us, I think. I know. We've been so indecisive about how to finish this episode that we've ended up here. 
Oh, shit. That is what happened, huh? Uh-huh. Oh, sure enough. <laughs> All right. How many points do you think we just lost? A lot. <laughs> for killing our listeners' time this way. Uh, maybe we'll edit it. Maybe we won't. <laughs> so if you have any feelings about The Good Place, uh, if you have any feelings about The Daves, which I suspect you probably have a few... You can find us on Twitter at HateWatchWithUs. You can find us by Gmail, HateWatchWithUs at gmail.com. You can find our website where we have extra content, including some Game of Thrones-related content, if you are still interested in that shit. And that is at HateWatch.com? HateWatchWithUs.com. I don't know what our website is. What is our podcast called? Who are we? What am I? (laughs) What am I doing? (laughs) Um, heywatchthis.com to be clear we are members of the Thought Bubble Audio Network you can find their shows at thoughtbubbleaudio.com I almost forgot their website too (laughs) (laughs) you can find them on Twitter at thoughtbubblefm they also have a Gmail and Patreon all under Thought Bubble Audio they're cool people they've got shows like Beer with Geeks and Academy Rewind and Supergirl TV Talk and uh, the Krypton show is coming back real soon if it hasn't already They're all cool and have much less inflammatory views on the Daves than we do. Presumably. Presumably. (laughs) What I can tell on Twitter today. Yeah. (laughs) We're the real assholes of the Thought Bubble Audio Network. (laughs) Can we have them as like a badge on our website? (laughs) Hey, Frank, you want to move on that? (laughs) Mark me. (laughs) Mark me. You're out of control. I know. I waited for like a solid month to be able to use that reference, okay? I have a lot built up. You have it like down to a science. You use it so well. (laughs) I do what I can. I try to have a few resume-worthy skills at any given time. (laughs) One of them is apparently saying, mark me. (laughs) Mark me! (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, Well, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. (laughs) I won't even have a water bottle that tells me when to drink. Yeah, I'm going to be so well hydrated and you're not even going to have wine. (sighs) Meh.